The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello. Welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, probably part of the Hill Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You're, I guess I'm recovering from the extended weekend, but it feels like I've been on a long weekend because I was on vacation for nine days, friend. Um, and today I am joined by a special guest, Lindsay Gibbs, the writer of the Power Plays newsletter and the co-host of the Burn It Down podcast. Lindsay, thank you for being on the show. How are you? I'm doing good. Yeah, I didn't really even do anything for the fourth, but still feel like uh, it's a rough Monday. But um, <laughs> maybe it's just all summer Mondays are a little rough. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because I think, it, well, I get it doubly because coming off vacation and like not mm. really still knowing what day it is. Then you have um, a holiday, which always throws things off, even though the holiday was on the weekend. Like it's still it shouldn't feel this crazy, but it definitely does. Yeah, totally. I think, I think we're all still recovering from COVID time. I know I am. Like, I still don't really know how time works. <laughs> yeah, that has definitely been. I think there have been so many random things like that that you don't think about because it, it had just been so long. Uh, yeah. And so now that you're kind of reemerging into the world, like everything is weird. Like it, it's very strange. Yeah. Like it, it all is strange. Like I bumped into somebody, it's super random, but I bumped into somebody going to pick up dinner and I barely recognized her because we hadn't seen her in like 14 months. Um, so it's just, yeah, it's just a weird time. Now, are you are you a big 4th of July celebrator? Is that like a thing of yours? Um, I depends. I love fireworks. I do. And I love outdoor gatherings and, you know, the lake and anything. So if, if I'm in a situation where all those things are happening, then um, I'll really get, you know, I'll, I'll enjoy that. Um, uh, but, you know, it, it's kind of like my grandmother really loved the 4th of July. So I always think about her a lot on the 4th of July. And that's always really special. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, I like this year, we only had our downtown, I guess, because uh, I'm in North Carolina. So the governor didn't like announce what restrictions were lifted until you know too late and so they didn't plan any fireworks so they had a laser light show instead <laughs> that just really didn't get me going like that okay. didn't do anything for me <laughs> so I went out Saturday night you know and did some festivities but then Sunday night I was like I'm not leaving for my house for a laser light show like that just that's not getting me downtown <laughs> yeah I don't think the laser light show would have done I've never heard of that this is, this is the first that I've ever heard something me like neither that. okay yeah I'm sure there are a lot of people in the same boat as us who just did not had not ever heard of something like that but I guess that that will not be happening again um <laughs> because it sounds like people were confused um that's interesting yeah we did a bunch of stuff like over the weekend like um you know we went to a couple of places and our the people we know in their neighborhood just go completely nuts like mm -hmm. we've talked to a couple of people at the place we were at last night and they like 
planned for this all year. Like they have fireworks funds that they put money away for to continue doing it. Like it's a really big thing. Um, and wow. it, it's pretty nuts. Like it's fun for me to just go watch it because to answer my own question, I like to go and watch. I think I've bought maybe $10 worth of fireworks in my life. Like, I don't see the point in buying it myself, but I will absolutely go and watch yours and the money that you want to sell fire. I'm totally totally, fine. Totally, yeah. All right. Now, each week we have a couple of segments that are mainstays in the show. The first one is called Coach Speak, where we'll go over something that a coach, player, or a talking head said, and then we'll give you the straight up breakdown of what they meant. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now, this week comes courtesy of UConn coach Gino Ariema. Um, when asked about Neka Ogumike uh, being left off of the Olympic team, he said, quote, what I find humorous was that the two times that I was coach, it was UConn politics, UConn bias because I was the coach, Ariema said. Now that I'm not the coach, it's Gino, Gino Ariema is still an asshole because I'm on the committee. And that's the common thread here. Wherever I am, that's whose fault it is if you don't like whoever is on the team. Lindsay, what did he really mean by that? I mean, it's Gino. He's just deflecting. He's just saying, wah, wah, wah. Everyone's whining about me. I don't get any love. Wah, wah, wah. Um, he's just trying to say, like, this has nothing to do with me when everyone knows that, you know, uh, these teams, these USA teams have been so heavily skewed towards UConn, um, you know, over the years. And I don't know. I think it's, you can't say it's not a factor. I think the whole process needs to be overhauled. I hope it is. Um, I think having college coaches as part of the selection committee is a little sketch. And, uh, you know, I also think there needs to be transparency. You know, one of the frustrating things is, um, you know, Gina said, well, uh, you know, it's a, I can't answer for why NECA wasn't made, didn't make the team because, um, it, it was a committee decision. So, you know, I, I, I can't speak for everyone. Well, somebody needs to speak for someone. Do you know what I mean? So the right. USA basketball needs to figure it out so that someone is answering these questions. And, you know, in case your viewers aren't aware, like Neka Gumake, like the only WNBA MVP not to make it onto an Olympics roster. Um, she was many things. She was snubbed both in 2012 and 2016 for sure. And then, uh, this year, she really, um, over the last four years, she really dedicated herself to USA basketball, was at all the camps, stayed here, didn't go overseas to play in the Team USA. She was the MVP of um, the world championships and, you know, um, really just led the team. And so she, you know, she was a little injured this year, but was scheduled to be healthy by the time for the Olympics. And, you know, that's just ultimately a roster spot that should be a lot and um, ultimately she was left off for I think it seems like it came down to probably Nafisa Collier or um, uh, Neka Gumake and you know four years ago it came down really between Brianna Stewart and Candace Parker so Brianna Stewart and Nafisa Collier have something in common. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really interesting situation in a lot of different ways. And I think that one of the first things you said there about the UConn bias and the fact that people are always going to think that 
Um, it's always going to be present. And it's, I mean, <laughs> I think it would probably be present if Gino was the coach or not. It's of course more because he, or be, when he was the coach before it was present, um, it, now that he's not, it's still going to be present because you're always just going to have that heavy UConn presence. I think it's five UConn players um, that are on the team. Um, and you could make the argument that they, that, you know, as they did kind of some of the older players and had them on there, Sue and Diana and that sort of thing, like maybe they didn't deserve it. Um, and you could have put someone on, but probably not. Um, but I do think that to have your the only MVP not be on the team is a little weird. And I did not until this all kind of blew up and then I was going to read him more about it. Like the fact that she went and did all of the Team USA activities, skipped out on playing overseas and making more money, as I think Derek Fisher pointed out, um, the Sparks coach, like – <laughs> to then come back around and not have her on the team and leave her off. Like I'd be really mad too. Like that there's a lot there to be upset about. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like I wasn't, it was, it's one of those things I've gotten more angry with as like time has gotten on. Like there's the average cycle and I find that there's more nuance to it. Do you know what I mean? Or like more examples. But in this case, like the more I've thought about it, the more, you know, angry I've gotten on her behalf. And, um, you know, ultimately, you know, I think that I, I don't, first of all, you know, I don't think NECA is competing against Sue and Diana for spots because they're, you know, front court versus back court. Mm-hmm. Um, Sue and Diana, I'm fine with them being locks for the team. Um, based on their history, based on how good they are when they're healthy, based on um, all all they've given. I mean, the two of them really launched this year-round Team USA camp. Like, this was their idea to kind of get Team USA playing more games and doing this college series that they did a couple years ago and spending more time together. And this was Sue and Diana. Like, they really spearheaded that. So with all that said, I'm fine with them being, you know, kind of grandfathered into the team. I just NECA should be too, right? Like NECA should be too. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's just like, and, and to your point about the process and the transparency, I feel like the number one thing in all of the time that I've now been doing this podcast has been transparency in sports and just in life is something that people want, right? And I feel like it comes up over and over and over again, where you get in more trouble for trying to keep whatever decisions you're making shrouded in mystery versus actually just being transparent and upfront with people and letting them know. So at least like, okay, listen, if they, if like say Gino and say Don Staley, the coach of the team came out or maybe whoever else is on this committee came out and said, Hey, this is the reasons like X, Y, and Z, why we left her off the team. Like, yeah, people probably would still be mad. Like that's not going to actually go away. They're still going to be upset, but at least you can then go back to them and say, well, Hey, we told you. Like you may right. or may not agree with us, but we did at least try to communicate it with you. That's the thing. First of all, they're always going to be snubs, right? Like there are right. way more than 12 players qualified to make this roster. Um, and people are always going to be mad that their favorites didn't get on. There's going to be a million reasons why players should make it and a million reasons why you can argue for other players. Like it's not uh, an enviable job to make those selections, but I do just believe that you know, I look at like the, the U.S. women's national team, soccer team, and, you know, the, the head coach, Blocko, he answers questions about who made the team and who didn't. Do you know what I mean? Like the buck stops with him. And I mean, are all of his answers as thorough or 
as satisfied people would like. Of course <laughs> not. Right. Do you know what I mean? Like, are there still questions and controversies? Of course there are, right? Because one, like, same thing for them. Like, there are way more players who can make that team than there are slots. But ultimately, he does a press conference with reporters where he answers questions about, you know, to the best of his ability about why, you know, or, you know, as much as he's willing to about why players were made the roster and why players didn't. And, um, you know, USA basketball really needs that. Yeah, absolutely. I think that that's always, I feel like always a takeaway of, you know, and I feel like we try to like, even though we know who like say for in my world, the college football playoff committee, like I know who all of those people are. I think it's ridiculous on who's on the committee, but that's a whole different conversation. Like we at least get a little bit of information there. It's still probably not enough, even though it's still confusing, but like all of these situations, you can always just point to tell us what's going on and then let us decide for ourselves um, I think you're always, that's always the best policy. Now, shifting gears a little bit, um, but kind of sticking in, in the same realm, one of the things that I was really excited to have you on to talk about today um, was just general WNBA talk. Okay? Yeah. I have told people in my life, I've not said this, I don't think on the podcast yet, I've gotten more into the WNBA over this season. So I am no expert, and I will fully admit that. But I, 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 my question for you, and this is going to sound weird, but you will get it. Has the WNBA always been this spicy? Let's break that down. Like, I feel like things are always happening, whether it's Skylar Diggins and the comments that she had um, after crossing that girl over. Liz Cambridge has become my favorite WNBA player because she's always talking trash to someone. Like, always. Is, is, like, is this just something that we've, we, and I say we, the general public at large, been missing? Yes. <laughs> okay. Yes. <laughs> These are feisty competitors, right? Like, you know, all the drama that's on the men's sport sport side, right? Like the personality clashes and the competitiveness and the egos and all of this, like that exists on the women's side too. And social media has really made that a lot more apparent, I think. And uh, it's fun and it's contentious. And, um, you know, I think that the media really just doesn't know how to cover, um, you know, athletes and women's sports, there's this notion that they all need to kind of be presented as these like perfect inspirational, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. figures and, um, uh, you know, role models and everything. And I think it's much more fun to follow when you realize like, uh, no, these are not like, like these, these are, they're trash talkers. They, you know, are standing up for themselves. They have opinions. Like they're just as competitive and, um, and, and the good that comes with the competitiveness and the bad that comes with the competitiveness, right? <laughs> right. As, you know, those in men's sports. So for me, uh, it, it has uh, always been like this, but I think we're definitely seeing, you know, it's definitely easier to see now that um, social media exists and, you know, there's more um, players, it just more, more up front with it. Yeah, and I think that one of the things, and I think that the social media point is well taken because I don't, I don't know if it's, because I've tried to like cultivate my social media spaces more to have more women's coverage in it or uh, people are just talking about it more. I think it's actually a combination of both, um, to be honest. But I've seen just more people on social media talking about various things that come up. Like it doesn't, I feel like now if like, um, (laughs) like I'll give the Liz Cambridge example. When she told the girl or I've said in the post game, um, press conference that you know either get in the weight room or get out of the post like I'm paraphrasing but that was basically it like 
that was shared widely on my timeline, right? Like people were all talking about that the same way they would if someone, you know, in the NBA, if LeBron had said something crazy, right? Or said something funny. And so I like that. I think that that's good. And I think that the more that I share those things with people that I know, they're like, the same question that I had, has this been like previously? You're telling me yes. Um, and that social media has been something that has really just kind of helped to push it. Uh, but I also find that the the coverage, it, it's funny, we can't really talk about the WNBA without talking about the coverage or lack thereof, right? It always comes up. Mm-hmm. I, I've just, just been kind of thinking about this. So to me, I kind of like, I'll use this example, I kind of like the NFL. I'm a Chicago Bears fan, even though I'm wearing the 49ers hat right now. Um, that grew up in Chicago, but that's my team. Like, love it or not. So um, I mainly follow them, but I'm not super into, say, you know, what's happening with the Miami Dolphins. But I can tell you more about the Dolphins than I probably should be able to because I am always beat over the head with NFL coverage. Like, I can't escape mm-hmm. it. Right. Like there is no escaping that. And I think that that ends up being part of the issue when it comes to people's just general awareness in the WNBA is that it's just still too hard to be able to find like good coverage of it. Um, And like you were saying, like people just having a hard time knowing how to market it, how to cover it, cover it and thinking that things have to fit into a certain box when you really could just put the storylines that are out there out there. And I think people would still gravitate towards it. Yeah, and I think, you know, I always say, like, men's sports kind of get seeped into it via osmosis. Do you know what I mean? Like, I remember Mm -hmm. when I was growing up, uh, I was a really big Carolina Panthers fan, and I would come home from school and just sit there and watch SportsCenter waiting for them to mention the Panthers or, you know what I mean, or for them to come up on, you know, one the debate shows or something. And while I was doing that, I learned about so many other men's sports, right? Like, you know, I wasn't like actively seeking out that information, but I became a person who followed the NBA during the playoffs because I knew the storylines and, you know, same goes with baseball. You know what I mean? Like I didn't become like, I didn't have a team in any of these sports that I like followed regularly, but I knew a lot about them. You know, I knew enough to attach to it. And you know, women's sports, you don't usually get that, you know, you don't, it's not the same. That's why I like, I'm always harping on, um, you know, getting more coverage and getting more coverage into kind of your traditional sports center highlight shows, your regular news shows, and, you know, your kind of hometown papers and things like that. Because um, I do think it's crucial to have, you know, sites that are catering to diehard WNBA fans, you know, and where you can go seek out a lot more information. Like that's key. And that's a key part of it too. I don't want to diminish that, but I think, you know, a big part of like attracting new fans is just having it be part of the, you know, regular conversation where you're looking for the biggest topics to cover, you know, um, look and see what's happened in the WNBA that week. So, okay, that actually leads me perfectly into what I wanted to kind of ask you now is what is the, so we, we talked about the Olympics num, um, and I mentioned Liz Cambridge and Skylar Diggins a little bit. What are the things, what's a storyline to you right now? And I'm putting you on the spot. I apologize. What's the storyline to you right now that people need to be talking about in the WNBA? Whew, oh my gosh, there's a lot. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll say a few because I think that's fine. Um, I can't just pick one, but um, I would say this MVP race between John Quell Jones, 
in my opinion, I think there's some other people you can even throw in there as well. But the seasons that John Paul Jones and Tina Charles are having are like remarkable. And Tina Charles, especially, um, John Paul Jones has been building to this, but Tina had a few for her down years, which are still all-star years, you know, for (laughs) Tina Charles. Um, But, you know, I mean, she was struggling. I mean, she, she was clearly unhappy in New York um, and with what what things were going on in New York and with the Washington Mystics, you know, she's trades the Washington Mystics set out last season, the bubble season. So this is our first year seeing her with the Mystics. And I mean, she looks like she's hacked the game of basketball. Like she's just remarkable. So I would say, you know, just paying attention to that greatness, um, Jewel Lloyd on the Seattle Storm, who often, because she's on a team with Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart, um, often gets overlooked, but she's having uh, a standout season. Some people have her in the MVP race, um, as well as, and then in New York, speaking of New York, Benajah Delaney uh, is a player who was cut two years ago and now is in the MVP conversation. So, uh, you know, these are performances that, you know, people need to pay attention to. And I love that it's a mix of, players we've known for so long, right? And number one picks and, you know, players who've been more under the radar. So I think like that's a really going to be really fun to watch. Of course, the WNBA is going to have um, almost a month long break for the Olympics. So the WNBA will be stopped for a while um, and then pick back up. Um, but I would say, I mean, if you want like, if you want to talk about like drama and like messiness, what's going on with the Atlanta dream right now is, um confusing and sad and i think you know we're gonna have to see how it plays out um uh, so first of all they they only have an interim head coach mike peterson and he because their head coach um left before the start of the season to go be the head coach of baylor like literally during training camp um so that was a lot and then kennedy carter who was their number one pick in 2020 um or just she's been playing well and been playing better and better and better. And I mean, she's one of my favorite players to watch, period. But the past couple of games, she hasn't played more than like six minutes. And um, there's a lot of question marks. So yesterday during their game, or sorry, I should say on Sunday during the Dreams game against the Atlanta Dream. Uh, during the dreams came against the Las Vegas Aces, I should say. Woo! A Monday. It's um, Monday. It's Monday. It's Monday. Uh, Carter was didn't play uh, for the whole second half. wasn't even on the bench, and they said it wasn't because of an injury. So they said there's. It's been reported there's some sort of altercation on the bench, and then the coach just held her out. And this is one of their best players, right? Mm. This is an All Star caliber future face of the franchise type player. Um, And so, you know, if this is the NBA, we'd have, you know, so many reports by now about what's going on. And I'm not saying we should get that nosy in the W, but, you know, there's certainly a lot to keep your eye on um, coming out of the Atlanta dream. And I think it's going to be very interesting to see what happens there once we, um, you know, both now and, you know, throughout the Olympic break and where things kind of, kind of settle. Yeah, so based on that slice of what's happening with the dream, the stuff that they've already had go on previous to this, like, right. yeah, like, so reality show, like, we need to we need to get that going. Like, that needs to be something where we figure out, like, how to put that out there. Like, and not even just for a, like, hey, they need more coverage editing, just a, 
I'd watch that. <laughs> There's a lot going on um, in that situation. They have some of the biggest uh, personalities in the league, you know. Um, and I mean, Courtney Williams should always, there should always be a camera on Courtney Williams. Courtney Williams should always be mic'd up. Uh, she's one of their guards. And then Kenny Carter, you know, is, is like that as well, a type of player that plays with a chip on her shoulder, um, a type of player that hasn't always gotten along great with, um, you know, with her teammates and, you know, a, a, the type, but you know, the type of player that probably should get more attention for her on-court performance than she does. Um, and I think got overshadowed being in the same draft class with Sabrina Inescu and, um, and, and, you know, Satu Savali and all that stuff. So I, I think that there's, there's just so much to watch, but I, I would, really keep my eyes on um, Atlanta just for kind of the intrigue. Um, and then, you know, all those great players that I was talking about before for kind of looking at what's happening, um, you know, with these, you know, with who, who's playing the best right now. Gotcha. Okay. Now every week we end the show with a segment that we call put them on blast, where we basically put someone on blast for something that they did or said, put them on blast. I can't lie. This was really hard. Like I obviously do this every week, but I don't know if I've ever had a harder decision trying to pick like which way I'm going to go. I'm going to kick us off um, this time. And I'm going to go with someone who's actually a repeat offender on this show. Clemson's coach Davo Sweeney. Um, If you're a long time listener of the show, you know, there's no love lost between me and Davo um, because he is, well, we said a lot of things, but when he said this in 2019, um, about then potential name, image, and likeness rules coming down the pipe. He said, quote, I love the collegiate model. Um, I love the model of education. I've always valued that the game has changed tremendously in a positive way. And I think a lot of people aren't informed and don't understand how we've improved the game from a financial standpoint. The value of a scholarship is incredible. The improvement of meals and stipends and paying for parents to travel. There's a lot of positives, but that doesn't mean that there's not room to improve things. You've always got to look for ways to get better, but that's the job of the NCAA. So he said that in 2019, obviously last week, July 1st, um, was the first day that things went into effect with the name, image, and likeness protocols um, or rules where players can make money off the name, image, and likeness. Um, and the Clemson had a couple of players that um, kind of cashed in right away. There was a running back that went on, that was on an interview and actually said that Dabo Sweeney is now um, excited about NIL. But the, that's not the reason actually that he's going on blast. That's in part of the reason. The real reason that he's going on blast is because we haven't heard from Dabo on this. Because Dabo so famously now said a couple of years ago um, that if play, play, college players ever got paid, he would quit. He'd leave the sport. So he'd leave his double-digit um, million-dollar-per-year job because his unpaid labor could get paid which is ridiculous. And now we haven't heard from him at all since this. He, in fact, he declined to comment. Like he just said he was not going <laughs> to comment, um, which is something that is very, as someone who, you know, I cover the Huskers. So I'm very like familiar with like the amount of power that college football coaches have. It is absolutely ridiculous that he's able to just say, Hey, I'm not going to comment on this thing. That is one of the biggest topics in sports that I've been a lightning rod about. Um, so for all of those reasons and, frankly many more Davo Sweeney I'm putting you on blast so I love it I mean he has to like what, what's wrong with him it's like I feel like I'm always this. like it's there's always something with him and I feel like this was a thing where 
And I say this sometimes about um, social media, like one of the things that has been interesting um, over time about social media is that people that we maybe thought that we liked, um, once we got to know them more or got to get all of their thoughts, you realize that person is not (laughs) quite the thing I thought that was. That's what Dabo Sweeney's like. That like if, when Clemson became very popular and very good, if you notice, the better they've gotten, the like less people have thought about him outside of Clemson, of course, and wasn't there, but like the less they thought about him. People will inside of Clemson will tell you, oh, it's because they win. No, it has nothing to do with that. It's him. Um, but now I'm back on a Dabo rant. So I apologize. Lindsay, who are you putting on blast? Yeah. Well, so so um, in the podcast I do weekly, the Burn It All Down podcast, we have something called a burn pile. And so we just recorded over the weekend. So I got a lot of burn. We call them burns out of my system. So I want to do, uh, you know, from the Shakari Richardson uh, situation to the Trevor Bauer stuff to Whoa. Chauncey Bill. I mean, just there's just a lot of burns. Yeah, there was a lot. Now we're There's so many right now. Uh, but so I'm going to go, because I kind of got those a little bit out of the system on the Burn It All Down podcast, i um, going to go with something that came up uh, in the 24 hours since we recorded that, which is Rachel Nichols um, and her comments over Maria Taylor. So um, the New York Times reported about leaked audio that has been circling around ESPN um, for about a year now, where um, Rachel Nichols was talking to a lawyer... Um, about our contract and about being upset that Marie Taylor uh, contended to host the the show, the pregame show for the finals. Um, and here's what Nicole said. I wish Maria Taylor all the success in the world. She covers football. She covers basketball. If you need to give her more things to do because you're feeling pressure about your crappy longtime record on diversity, which by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like go for it, just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. There are just so many things wrong with that. Um, but I mean, the whole in the whole, there's so much more to that story. But the basic thing is that Rachel was saying that the only reason Ray Taylor was being considered um, for the job is because she's a Black woman. And that's just infuriating. I mean, Ray Taylor is, I think, by far one of the most talented people in the industry. I think if you've seen, ever seen her host shows before, especially, I remember a few years ago, she was doing like a draft night um, thing and it was just so clear how comfortable all the players with her were like mm-hmm. immediately upon them seeing her I've seen her a lot in covering women's basketball she's great at covering women's basketball and um, just great at anything she does so the reason Maria Taylor is being considered is because she's great at what she does period and um, I think for white women to play the um, you know to be throwing black women under the bus when it comes to um, you know, increasing diversity. It's a tale told of time and it's just really sickening. And um, I think anyone defending Rachel Nichols um, really needs to think long and hard. I mean, yes. Is it ridiculous that ESPN has, in most sports media, decided there can only be one woman per show? Yes, like that, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, ridiculous. Yes, like, it is. <laughs> don't get me wrong. That's a part of the, you know, that's, that's a problem. And we can talk about that problem later. Um, and I'm sure like that makes things feel more competitive, right? I mean, you can have like 
six men on the show and you know <laughs> but they can right. just be the one woman so that's a problem but rachel nichols very clearly made this about race it was rachel nichols who made this about um race and about maria taylor being a black woman and there's just no room for that and so i think you know um i've never been a huge rachel nichols fan to be honest um i i have i think the jump has done some great things but um to me, it's very clear that, you know, I mean, she hangs out with the barstool guys sometimes and she is a, anytime they've given her WNBA stuff, a WNBA for some reason gives her like WNBA all-star uh, nods to announce in the middle of the jump or the schedule release. Like they give that to the jump and she puts zero effort into it. Like there's just zero effort, zero care put into any of that. And um, you know, the WNBA is never really a part of of the jump at all, which is fine. That's her prerogative, but it's also my prerogative to think that's not great. And so, you know, to think that the fact that it's never, ever, uh, you know, is a problem. So I just, um, I'm not surprised by this all, but I'm sad for Maria Taylor and, um, yeah, Rachel Nichols, you're on blast. A well-deserved blast. And a, yeah. <laughs> and a thing that as this was unfolding yesterday and I, I saw it early like it was early, it was in the morning when I saw like the the um the audio and watched that and kind of read some of the quotes and I was like oh this is going to be a thing all day like we're gonna like people are going to be talking about this all day sometimes you just see those topics yeah. um mm -hmm. and you know it's coming and that was one of them and, and in part because there are just so many layers to that um to that story and you had on a lot of them very well. One of the ones that I will bring up here is the feeling that I know a lot of my Black colleagues in the business felt when seeing that, that stuff come out of just, oh, here we go again with, it can't be that we're exceptional or not even exceptional. I, I won't even go that far, that we're good at something. Like it has to be, we got hired because of some diversity quota. Yeah. Um, when it's never, my problem, part of my problem with that line of thinking is that it never extends the other way. Like no one ever really stops and says, well, hey, those five white dudes that are on a show, like they just got that because of a diversity or because, you know, people are comfortable um, hiring white guys. Like no one would ever say that. But it is so quick and so like right there on the tips of some people's tongues to say that about minorities in sports. Um, and, then it, and then to take it even further, to extend that to Black women in particular. Like, I think it was Taylor Rooks, I thought, think saw that said this, that when she sees another Black woman um, in the industry, she knows that she's exceptional. Um, because of all of the things that are put in front of them to be able right. to so yeah, there's just there are just so many layers there. Um, that's even like to not even get to the kind of is positioning the right word for this, like the way that Rachel has kind of positioned herself as like she has kind of like I guess publicly been an ally, but then also I guess doing this behind the scenes, but then when she wants, like you said, wants to hang out with the bar stool guys, but then also wants to go on the all, all the smoke pod. Like it's very, it's, it's just a lot. Like there are so many things that are happening within that. I don't know what in the world they're gonna have to do about the situation because that's a whole nother section of it is the person that leaked the video or audio um, is the only person that has gotten in trouble so far. Right. 
Um, right, a black female producer is the only person who's gotten in any, in any trouble. Like, absolutely ridiculous. Right, which then speaks to a different issue of like, hey, when we see things in the workplace, like not actually speaking up um, and saying something. Um, there's a whole nother like, kind of side plot here of that producer, if I remember this correctly, went and warned Maria about the situation and like let her know about that. And since this came out like a year ago, um, it, they've been working, well, I don't, like, they work together, they work at the same place, um, and Maria has just kind of yeah. had to deal with this um, for the last year, while all, oh, by the way, now it's time for her contract to come up, and she's having to negotiate a new contract, um, which Jalen Rose said, basically, they need to pay her her money um, on air, which is always fun, like, you, you know how comfortable you have to be um, with your I job security to go on TV and say that. Um, so yeah, that's definitely going to be a story that continues to be watched and evolving um, over the next little bit of time here because that, <laughs> there's a lot to that story and with a couple of very high profile people. Um, and also I should point out um, that Maria Taylor, I've met her two years ago um, when, <laughs> when for some reason College Game Day came here. I shouldn't say for some reason the Husker fans are going to get me. Um, but they came here for College Game Day uh, for the Huskers versus Ohio State. And so when Game Day came, she was here, obviously. And I got to meet her, meet her and she could not have been nicer. Um, so she's just a good person as well. So I, I feel bad for her in the situation. Oh, awful. It, it's going to be something that is definitely continuing and evolving. Um, well, now that's going to do it. Go ahead. ESPN leaked just last week. There was a New York Post report that Maria Taylor wanted too much money, right? Like, the, yeah, that I think was it was that she wanted like Stephen too, Smith yeah. money. And it's like, okay, like you knew that this was coming, right? Like, you yeah. know, uh, ESPN, you're trying to paint her as being greedy. And, uh, you know, that's just so, you know, I think she'll be a star wherever she goes. I think it's clear that ESPN has been hemorrhaging a lot of their, uh, especially their black female talent, but, you know, their black talent overall. Um, I think it's sad to see, um, you know, I mean, Rachel Nichols has had a lot of former players on her show and a lot of them are sticking up for him and saying, well, she helped me negotiate his contract so she can't be, you know, racist or whatever. And it's like, well, she didn't see you as a threat. Do you know what I mean? Like, right, it's just, right. you know, you like, coming, you, like you, were, you were coming on her <laughs> show and you weren't, you know, you know, it's very clear. So it's like, that needs to be better, you know, like better like people got to look at the whole picture here and I just I always say like you can tell who's who's lifting as they climb and who's not right who's lifting right. as they climb and who's who's chopping off that ladder behind them right, right. um because they're out of fear they're going to be caught and part of lifting as you climb is knowing that the people you lift might surpass you right like right. that's how this works <laughs> you know and so you have to do that so I don't know I mean the whole thing and um was just sad yeah, and it, the thing too about the contract situation and them strategically leaking um, that she wanted quote too much money, uh, she does a lot of stuff. Like one of the things that you gotta like, so if you much. think about it, like, and, and it's funny that you mentioned Stephen A because they know that he's like he could be polarizing, but the one thing that I'll at least give him credit for is that, and it's maybe because he makes so much money that they put him on everything, even things that he yeah. should not be on, right? And maybe that's what it is. But at the same time, he works like he does a lot of stuff. She does. Uh, she's on a lot of different things. 
Um, and, and there's something to be said both about the level of work that she puts in, but also, and probably more importantly, the amount of versatility that she has to be able to do all of those things well. Like, you have to reward that. Like, that needs to be rewarded. Otherwise, that next person that comes along that wants to be as versatile as her may say that I just need to focus on one thing because there's no pot at the end of the rainbow for me anyway because it didn't happen for her. Yeah, it's... um. It's just infuriating. And yeah, I mean, being a, like having to pay attention to multiple things and know what's going on multiple things. It's a, I hate, like, it's a lot. <laughs> like in sports, it's fun, but you know, it's a lot. Like, you know, you need to be an expert on everything. And especially if you're a black woman, because people will, you know, I know as a white woman, how, how, uh, excited people are to point out any mistakes I make on the air, <laughs> yeah. right? And to prove that I don't belong there. You can only assume it's exponentially worse for black woman, right? With people just looking to discredit you at every single turn. So you're right. It's, you don't, you know, to act like there's just this, that we're just like picking black women off the street and giving them high profile jobs in media. Like that's not right. like, like what world are you living in? Like, right. like, like what world are you living in? Yeah. Yeah. Like it, that's just, that's like false. Like, it's just incredibly, like, incredibly like, incredibly false. Wrong. Like, yeah. yeah. Like it's just that. Um, yeah. And it's funny because you all, you hear that like, oh, they're just making these diversity hires. I'm like, well, where are they? Because yeah, yeah. especially if I don't know a different rant. Um, if you if you take out former athletes, and I know Taylor is a oh, former God. athlete, um, but especially like former male athletes, because there's just not as many like former female athletes that are doing these things. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you took out former male athletes out of sports media coverage, like it would drastically change the thing. And I'm not even saying they should be taken out. I'm just saying like that, if if you want to talk about the way to just be plucked into jobs, like that's the way that people are actually just being plucked off the street um, to do these jobs. You said it, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, um, you know, uh, yeah, I think I will say that in the article, the thing, you know, that I think showed Marie Taylor's character the most was her, um, there was talking about women's basketball game in the NCAA and how she pointed out, she said, you have no black women on this broadcast. And like, that's unacceptable. And she fought for LaChina Robinson to be on this high profile broadcast because it was all white people. And once again, that's like shows that she knows that she's even though she's in a vulnerable position, she's acquired some power within the organization and she's willing to use it to help others, um, not to stymie others. So that's, that's important. Yeah, absolutely. All right, now that's going to do it for us in this podcast today. Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you listen to them. Uh, rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you only leave four, I am inclined to think you're a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure that you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast, Varsity Club, Nebraska Preps Post Game Show, and the Hale Varsity Radio Show. Also, make sure that you are checking out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. I'm back on there again with another recruiting question of the week. Um, you can find us on Twitter at Greg Smith HV and at Lynn Sports. Um, you can also email the show at Straight Up Breakdown at HaleVarsity.com. You also make sure to check it out the Burn It All the Burn It Down Pod uh, with Lindsay, um, and that'll do it for us. A Media Production.